0: Thunder
1: Nerds are go! Hello, hello Thunder Nerds, we're back for another podcast, and guess what? Josh has materialised in as well, unexpectedly. (coughs) Here he is. Stuck in the (laughs) time-lash. So, Josh, how you doing, mate? How you feeling? Everything all good? Tide.
2: Pretty good. Um yeah, for for the Thunder nerds, if you've been wondering where I am, I'm actually in um the big apple at the moment. I'm in mean, uh old New York City. So it's currently twelve thirty AM in the world right now. But, wow. um I've hit I ugh, silly me, I've I've had issues mm. um trying to log on to to watch the giggle so um what we're gonna do is i'm going to let indigo walk me through it and describe what happens Mm because i i don't i i don't know much okay i know i know the big spoiler is true all right Mm
1: -hmm. what else do you know tell us what else you know so i know that um essentially Mm. that's all i know really so you just know that the spoilers for anyone If, if you haven't watched the giggle by the way people please you have to go watch it before you, you listen to this, especially on, if you're in the dark. On, people. So, three, on, people. two, one. If you're still here, then you have seen the giggle and you're ready for the review. Josh is mm. um, an absolute sucker for this kind of thing at the moment with these spoilers. So, I'm just going to reveal like most of it to him and it'll be interesting to hear what he thinks before he sees it. And when he does see it, um, be it soon or later... We'll get his notes um, if we can't catch him and we will. I'll, I'll go through his notes for the giggle with you guys. But it'll be interesting to see what he thinks about some of these plot points without seeing it versus after he's seen it. Um, so I say we, we get straight into it, right? Now, Josh, if you, if you feel like you're getting tired and you want to just tune out, please materialise away. No, no, let us I've, know and I'll I've, just continue I've, on, all right? Because it could I've, be a long um, one.
2: I've been looking forward to this, so I'm ready to delve into it.
1: Here we go. This is what we've got. The Giggle, written by Russell T. Davies, directed by Chanya Button. This is Chanya Button's first Doctor Who story that she has directed. David Tennant and Catherine Tate starring, of course, first broadcast. I don't really need to say this, but I will. 9th of November, 2023. The episode synopsis, the giggle of a mysterious puppet is driving the human race insane when the Doctor discovers the return of the terrifying toy maker. He faces a fight he can never win. All right, so, high-level thoughts. Um... I watched it again last night, guys, uh, to get my thoughts on it. And I think I think I, I, th-
2: I think it's bad. That's that's a bad sign. From, 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 from I'm, I'm I'm guessing mm. is that a bad sign?
1: Well, or a good I can sign? T- I can tell you after I saw the giggle initially. What What uh, was your initial reaction? My initial reaction was that um, I didn't like it. I really oh. didn't like it. The mm. doctor is in distress mm. mm I didn't I didn't enjoy it um, that much I liked moments of it but like'm I'm, I'm saying that overall I didn't like how the whole uh, climax played out which you'll understand I feel when you see it the bioregeneration um, I think you've seen have you seen the bioregeneration scene I've seen it I've seen that
2: scene on YouTube because I was frantically trying to mm. Find find as much information as I could without without seeing the special self.
1: Yep. Okay. So the, we'll get we'll get we'll start from the very start and we'll work our way through. Okay. And, and as you have questions about what I've written down, I can elaborate for you if you'd like. So it starts off in Soho in 1925, right? Mm. And a man goes into um, like an emporium kind of toy store. And Mm. we find out that he's working for John Logie Bard, who is the person who made the first, like, moving image. Um, And he's looking for something to put on the... behind the camera that they're going to use to to film this uh, image because it's so hot behind the camera that you Mm. couldn't put a person behind there, essentially. So he goes and picks up a puppet and... He's walked into the emporium and the toy maker is the person who's behind the, the desk. Um, and he he gets the puppet, which is Stooky Bill, and we then go back and see John Logie Bard and this man place it in front and, and take the first image and then they're saying we need to make it a moving image and... Um, we kind of, um, see its mouth open a little bit, like the doll, its mouth falls open and startles them a little bit. And they say, imagine what Stooky would say, like, if he could talk this, 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 this doll is going to change the world. And then we hear like a, a, an echoing kind of giggle to forebode what's coming. And then it goes into the, into the credits, um, now I'll say this first of all, just while we're talking about the credits, they have grown on me as we've gone. I, I like them from from the Star Beast, but every week they've like I've just gotten more and more settled with these these intro credits. Um, mm. From what I understand, these intro credits uh, are staying. That's what I've heard. They're staying. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't
2: um think they would, and yeah, yeah, that's a bit disappointing. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. I, um, I thought they might be the ones. Quite, yeah. I don't think it's quite. Um, new series worthy. Mm, it feels does. more
1: like it's like a. Um, lo- it feels like it's a follow up to like the Tenant Ninth Doctor titles, but like modernised a little bit and changed, like and it. also like Don't hearkening like all the they other like new Who titles. So, yeah, I'm not sure about that. about that. Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. Russell said that there'll be things that will change and be refined, and that maybe the intro mm-hmm. might change episode to episode, pending what's going on potentially. So, mm. that's an interesting thing to note, but I'm not sure if we're getting... It doesn't sound like we're going to be getting, like, Shooty Gat was face down the time corridor. No,
2: it? I wasn't expecting that either. I mean, yeah. that's a long shot, Thunder Nerds. Um, yeah. That's just a pipe dream I've had, so yeah. disregard
1: that. Yeah, so that's the first thing to note. Um, I'm not... I, I would imagine... I could be wrong, but I, I would imagine that this... Because this, this theme music is very much the Russell T. Davies one mixed with a few others from New Who, I think... So I, I, would, I would imagine that Judy Gat will have a different Doctor Who theme. Like maybe if the intro doesn't change itself, the actual theme music would change. I, I think that that would happen. But who knows at this stage? I guess we'll just have to stay tuned. We've only got a couple of weeks to wait. Okay. Um, so back in modern time, we cut back post the title sequence and we're back in modern day. And the Doctor... Mm. Um, kind of the uh, one guy tries to throw himself in front of a car and the doctor kind of pulls him up and goes, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're going to get mm. yourself killed. I saw that scene. I saw that scene. Yeah, yeah. You saw that one on mm-hmm. YouTube probably or whatever when they mm. released it and he's going, you know, it's my mm. taxes, I'll do what I want, it's my road and all that. So mm. everyone's kind of going a little bit hectic and the toy maker dances with the doctor for a second but the doctor palms it off as some weird kind of dude, like he's putting on a French accent at that point, the toy maker, as he's dancing in like a tuxedo with a top hat and tails. Um, How is Neil. How is Neil? Neil's good. Yeah, Neil's good as the toy maker. Mm. He's just not okay. in it enough, unfortunately. Okay, interesting. So I'll get into that as we go because my, my biggest thing, Thunder Nerds, just while we're talking about that, is Neil is good as the toy maker. Um, he's just not in it enough for what they promise you on the threat of the toy maker, if that makes sense. Like, this is a foreboding villain, he's got a few key scenes. You know, it feels like when we get back to 2023 later, when we when we bring him back to 2023, that he hardly he well he never he never leaves the unit helipad. Like we don't see him tormenting with humanity in in this reality. You know, we're kind of told that oh the toy maker for the first time ever has broken through to our reality from his own dimension, but we don't actually see him do anything other than play with the unit soldiers and whatnot and do a musical number to the Spice Girls um, in Unit HQ. Other than that, and then the, the the climax that takes place on the helipad, we don't see him out in the world tormenting with people. So unless he's mm. coming back or something, unless this is like a setup for him coming back, it, it just definitely feels like this story probably needed to be like a 75 to 80-minute runtime um, to really kind of like sell home a lot of what it was doing. Um, mm. But we'll go back to where we were so... Uh, we're in the modern day. Unit then arrives. We meet a new colonel from Unit, who's going to be a reoccurring character in the Gatwa season. We've been told, um, and Donna kind of says, "Oh, look after like my granddad for me. Like if we, if, if Unit needs us to like go to HQ, mm. like look after Wilf." And we kind of there was a there was a body double on set that day because like Bernard Cribbins was just too sick to, to film, and so mm. we don't see him. Like on screen We just see him kind of Just off the screen With a body double in And then they use Old stock audio To be like You go with the doctor From Wilf And that's his last line Which is a bit mm. of a shame That they didn't get to film Anything else with him um, But we got a lovely scene With him at the end Of uh, Wild Blue Yonder Which was cool And then we're into The scenes that you've all seen From the trailer Where like the TARDIS Is being carried Off the street By the um By the Kinda Claw And the helicopter And the doctor's in the helicopter And they land on the helipad Shirley Ann Bingham from Special Ones there to greet the Doctor. Kate Lethbridge-Stewart follows. Um, Kate mentions, you know, we've dealt with robots and insects and yetis and clones, but how do we fight the human race? So there's a few callbacks to previous Unit adventures with that line. And then we're into Unit HQ and the Doctor um, reunites with Mel, Melanie Bush, the seventh Doctor's companion that's now working for Unit. Um, and we kind of get a sense of how the world's gone mad. We have the UK Prime Minister... On the television saying, you know, honestly, why would I care about you? To like the, the like about just the general population of the UK. And Donna makes a, mm. a remark that is a joke that's obviously politically charged, but lands well because Catherine Tate just delivers it well. Um, but it's very Russell to throw something like that in, I suppose. Um, we learn that um, Unit, <clears throat> they have these Zyrtex uh, bracelets. Um, that have been created by the Vlinks. I think that's the name of the uh, of the character. The Vlinks is like mm-hmm. a ro- a robot that's working for UNIT now. Um, okay. And uh, we meet the Vlinks. We don't get any context as to how the Vlinks was created or who created the Vlinks, but the Vlinks has created these Vertex bracelets that can shield the giggles effects from uh you know obviously taking effect over the unit. Um, the unit members, um, and Kate. At this point, they they just mm. know humanity's gone mad. No one actually knows that it's the giggle that's causing it. Um, they mm. just know that uh, something's something's happened. And so, Kate goes, "Look, it's it's affecting the brainwaves. It's almost like it's embedded in every every human somehow." And um, she goes, "Look, I'll remove my bracelet." <clears throat> and then they Shirley and Bingham switches kate's bracelet off and kate kind of gets quite uh snarky with the doctor and comes at the doctor saying, so, you know like who are you to say this and that you're a, you're an alien from off world and this and that and then she she kind of attacks shirley and says i've seen you walking i've seen you walking get out of that wheelchair i've seen you walk and whatnot and before they put the bracelets effect back to use with kate and she comes around mm. so we get an idea that That the bracelet is absolutely doing its job to shield um, people from whatever the effects are. And it's then Donna who sits down for a second and is able to kind of liken something to like a chords, a a musical, musical chords. And then Mel from there kind of sings those chords. And then Mm. someone kind of has a reaction to it and goes, I kind of know that chord. It's a very familiar chord. Why do I recognize that? And from there, the doctor is able to work out with the sonic that below every screen, on planet earth the toy maker has embedded this the first ever like um visual moving image of the giggle of the of the stooky bill puppet into every screen it's just sitting below the surface of every screen and it's been mm. like playing away at the subconscious of of and amplified through a satellite that's that's above the earth and um so he kind of reveals that, and then they realise that it's not just the chords; it's actually like a giggle that's that's uh, that's there. And then we um we get a little cameo from because um, the doctor says, "Why doesn't? Why aren't we?" Or I think it's why we one of the companions. So why are we uh, not giving? Might be Donna or something. Because Do- the first thing mm-hmm. that comes up is Donna says, why am I not affected by the giggle? And why was, like, Wilf not affected by the giggle? And Mel says, yeah, I've, I've got the bracelet on myself, but it hasn't affected me. And the doctor speculates that potentially having long-term trouble in the TARDIS puts you out of sync, potentially, with whatever the, the giggle's effects has, has been. So there's a little it's bit of uh, kind of yeah, expositioning.
2: It's bit, bit... Yeah, I mean, it sounds a bit weak to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a
1: little bit of a kind of feeble line to to get you past like why, Wilf and all that weren't going mad when he, when when they when they when when they came back from Wild Blue Yonder, why he was able to kind of make sense of everything while he was talking to. Um, what about Rose? Rose, we uh, don't we don't we quite literally never see Rose. In, until oh, really? th- we don't see her okay. until the end of um, the story in like a two minutes. She's only got like two one line and two minutes on screen, actually. Okay. Which was interesting. Uh, but we'll talk about that in our 60th wrap-up that we're going to do because I want to talk about some things in there of what was necessary and what wasn't, this, that and the other. um So, yeah, we don't get anything of Rose, but bearing in mind she never did travel in the TARDIS though. So, mm-hmm. Wilf and Donna both did and obviously, Mel, it, it, it does raise the question, does that mean the other doctor's companions that are alive on 21st century Earth, were they not affected and trying to figure out what was going on with everyone separately? That's an interesting question to ask. But in any case, uh, we're told mm-hmm. here that the people that didn't have the bracelets, maybe the travel in the TARDIS has somehow put them out of sync with whatever's going on. Mm. So it's a bit of a feeble line to get them out of that little question mark, but that's what that's what that's that's how it's sold to us. Um we have like one of the companions say, "Why are we not like um, having every single person on Earth use these bracelets that that, that, that the the links has made if it is causing these effects?" And and um, Kate brings up some footage of Trinity Wells. Trinity Wells was the the um, American newsreader in the Russell T Davies era that I told you that would return. Um, Throughout his era She makes a cameo In this story And she's got her own show The Trinity Wells show And she's kind of going They want us all To have these Z-Techs I am anti-Z-Tech And it's it's essentially Like a a go at um, Anti Oh yeah Anti-vaxxers Essentially that's what that or that's at least what it's likened to that 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 in this version people they have tried to get these bracelets out, but people have gone, No, we're not we're not using those bracelets. Like there's conspiracy shows like the kind of like uh what's his name? The Alex Um Alex Jones. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Trinity <laughs> yeah. Wells is almost like an Alex Jones type character in this line. She's like, I'm not doing that, no way and whatnot. So um Yeah, so anyway, um they work out what's going on with the laugh. Um they trace it back to that to that stooky bill, first moving image, and um, they're then trying to get everything to activate um, for the the satellite because they're trying to they, they they decide that Kate essentially says, look, we can take down the satellite, but the world leaders can't make a decision to, to activate the beam to destroy it. We need the, the like, uh, when, when, when the world's in crisis mode, like, it falls upon the president of the world to make that decision. And that was something that came up in the Moffat era, that, like, at one point in that era during one of the, the key Capaldi invasions, the Doctor got, got put in place as, like, president of the world. Um, and so they hearken back to that, like, idea and the Doctor gives permission mm for the for the satellite to be to be taken down and he then speaks to Mel briefly um asking, you know, how did you get here? Because the last time we saw Mel, she was travelling with um a character called Sablong Glitz, who was like a a bit of a crazy, crazy like warrior dude that the sixth doctor encountered in in the mysterious planet, um, of the Trial of a Time Lord story, and the seventh doctor encountered him in Ace's first story, Dragonfire, and that's what Mel left with him in Dragonfire. And Mel says it's kind of weird in You Who in like a 2023 story to have such a niche character like Sablon Glips like named and referenced. But <laughs> R- Russell is very much like that with Doctor Who. So he names Sablon and says, oh, Mel goes, I travelled with him. He lived till he was 101 and died falling over a whiskey bottle and had a, uh, had a Viking funeral, which was pretty funny. Um, and then she hitched a ride back to, back to Earth, essentially. And so she's here. Um, Kate, later in a scene, offers Donna a job with, with UNIT. Um, for 60000 a year or something, and Donna asks her to, to up it to 120000 a year with five weeks leave, and Kate accepts that. So I'm not sure if that'll actually come up or if that was just a bit of a joke or if, like, Donna will work for UNIT in future. I'm not too sure. I don't know if that will happen just because of Catherine Tate's no. schedule. Yeah. Oh,
2: my God. Anyway, we'll talk about that later.
1: Um, anyway. Yeah, that actually brings up another thing um, on the official Doctor Who podcast that's been going on. Uh, three kind of reviewers talk about each Do- doctor who story live as they come out um and wrap them up and they have six kind of notes provided to them um and that segment like when they get the notes is called the order of russell on from russell so they're notes from russell mm-hmm. about things like you know talk about this on the podcast, talk about this, what did you think of this, give me your honest thoughts on this. An example of one of the things, he also sends voice recordings in for them on the Doctor Who podcast um, to give you an example in Wild Blue I just Yonder. say something? That, that would have to
2: be, gosh, the pressure you'd feel as a podcaster um, mm. getting notes from Russell and saying, hey, give me your honest feedback. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah, it's well, really interesting. What would you do?
1: Um, he's pretty cool though, Russell, like, like that. He's very cool. Like, um, one of, one of the great Doctor Who YouTubers, um, Tharys. Now we've all, do you know Tharys, Josh? The, he's in the wheelchair. Um, oh, yeah. I, I may have showed you some videos. He's a really good, uh, Doctor Who YouTuber that covers, um, Covers all types of like Doctor Who news-related things, like a lot, a lot yeah, uh, essentially speculation and, and breaking breaking news points. And he was actually at the uh, the premiere for the Star Beast, and he posted a little story on YouTube yesterday, which I thought was really cool. I'll I'll read it out here for you because there's a section in the news story right at the very end where they unveil that the new Tardis has like a, a ramp for wheelchairs. At, that it can like fold out mm. and um Tharys posted on on youtube which i thought was pretty cool um he said okay i can reveal now that when i met russell back at the starbeast screening he said he recalled me saying in my videos that i wasn't sure whether or not i'd be able to get in the Tardis, so he put in a ramp apparently it's even referred to as the tharry's ramp on set He told me to wait till after the broadcast, but I'm so glad that all uh, disabled fans know now they can board the best ship in the universe, which is pretty cool, actually, that he would do something like that and that he's watching that closely. Um, And so uh, to give you an example of what what they do on that podcast, the Doctor official one, uh, Russell will go in last week when they did Wild Blue Yonder. He hit one of his voice recordings that he sent in to the podcasters was, "Hey guys, um, the 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 creature that you that we meet, the captain that threw herself uh, off the ship, the horse-like kind of alien that threw herself out of the ship to prevent the uh the the not things from Wild Blue Yonder getting back to the universe. That 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 alien has not got a name yet, so." between the three of you now on the podcast i want you to come up with a with a name for it and we will put it in all the doctor who books coming out here there and everywhere and you can canonize a name for an alien in the show so he does cool little things like that which i quite like um to get people involved but um yeah one of the things that he noted and he asked them on the podcast this week about the giggle was what characters moving forward doesn't have to just be 21st century doctor who companions that are on earth at the moment what characters might you want to see come back and maybe work for unit in the future behind a desk so opening up the floor to people to say there there might be room in the future for more returning companions from the past and whatnot to make their way not just into something like tales of the tardis but maybe into the show as well so that's interesting to keep in mind but anyway um, the doctor decides he's going to go back to where Stooky Bill came from. So he's going to go find where this doll came from. He's going to trace it back to its origins. And that leads him back in time to 1925 to Soho, back to the the store. And so he goes into the, the store and the toy maker, um, is there. And the toy maker starts recalling, um, that the, he's juggling at the time and he starts talking about how the ball was the first game ever invented back in the cave cave the times of cavemen and he's recalling the ball and going and then the ball was here the ball was there and then in the year five billion someone picked up the last human skull and you know um and 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 kind of used that as a ball or something he kind of goes on a bit of a story like that and the doctors quickly Going through his mind and 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 making links here, and he tells Donna, I don't know if you've seen this clip as well, Josh, but the Doctor tells Donna to go back to the back to the TARDIS, and Donna says, "You don't really ever tell me to do that." So what's going on here? And the Toy Maker says, oh he's he's starting to recognise me now, um after so many years, like this, that, and the other." And then we see flashes of William Hartnell and the original Michael Gow Toy Maker from the Celestial Toy Maker, which is cool. Flash up also all, all very very briefly on the screen and then we come back and um the toy maker that's
2: uh that's our multi-doctor people that's that's um, that's, that's our well right your,
1: there. your multi-doctor is coming in the climax as you well know oh, lord! that's where you'll get your yeah, multi-doctor um so the toy maker kind of disappears into uh the back of the emporium the doctor follows him in donna rushes in uh, the door closes behind them and they're, a, they're in a, a huge maze, like, uh, kind of like thing of like, uh, hallways, uh, that are never ending. And, um, they move on through the, these kind of, um, these hallways and then they end up getting split up between the, the two of them. The doctor gets put in a room where he finds hanging on the wall in like a body bag almost, um, he finds the man that we saw in the pre-title sequence that had come to purchase the the doll and the doctor lifts him off the wall um, and pulls him out of this like kind of body bag thing, but he's still like alive. And um, the guy's saying, I came back to the store because uh, I had this giggle in my head and I wanted answers or something like that. And then he goes, he plays with me when he likes and we realise that... As the body bag peels back, like this, this human head is now is on top of like a, a puppet body. And then the toy maker reveals himself from like the roof of the world, essentially it comes through mm. and pulls the, the puppet and dances with him before the puppet turns into like a 14th Doctor puppet uh, and kind of plays with the Doctor a little bit. It doesn't look that great, I don't think, personally. Like the actual just effects don't look like that like amazing to me for that particular sequence um and then we see donna who is in like an attic kind of area and she kind of gets attacked by these gothic kind of dolls that come to life and they look quite cool like they're really well um made and, and and put together it's like a a mother doll uh, who's kind of rhyming, and then her three orphaned children. Um, and these are the dolls that whose whose husband doll was uh, and and father doll was the Stooky Bill doll that got taken for the uh, mm. and so she gets attacked. She has a funny moment there, um, Donna, where she kind of like absolutely beats the living shit out of these dolls. Um. And then we 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 kind of get reunited with the doctor and Donna, who get pulled into a new room where the toy maker. Uh, we see that scene from the trailer where the toy maker says, "You know, worldwide premiere," and he puts on a puppet show where he puppeteers and catches up the general audience. But also, it's it's for Donna in universe, but it's for it's actually for the the general audience. And we see like puppets of like Amy Pond, Clara Oswald, Bill Potts, where the toy maker mimics that all three of those companions died, and the doctor has a reason for why they didn't properly die. And the toy maker's kind of saying, Oh, well, that's fine then. That's all right. Then if they if if like the doctor says, like, I'm trying to think of an example for you. Like, oh, Bill Potts died. Like she she got converted into a Cyberman, and the doctor says, Well, her consciousness still survives, and the toy maker's going, Well, that's fine then. If that uh and he continues to say that, pretty much saying, "Look, this guy's um the lot that everyone that travels with him um um ends up uh, a goner essentially." And then um, we have him kind of mention the flux again, and what the, what the devastation of the flux was. Um, this is the Toy Maker that I'm that I'm referring to, and then the Doctor challenges the Toy Maker to a game of cards, and they sit to to talk, and we get some interesting. Things in this scene between the toy maker um before when the doctor was um in the corridors on their way to try and find where the toy maker was before they got split up the doctor did mention that he'd escaped the toy maker once but fears that he'll he might lose this time um and that he kind of made a mistake back in back in his when he was very young by even crossing over somehow into that other dimension where he where he even came across the toy toymaker and he refers to it as an underverse and he says yeah like um i i got out of it that time but i don't know if i'm going to be able to save your life this time from and now he's escaped his own reality and he's here in 1925 um you know i've made it i made a terrible mistake by 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 kind of evoking that that superstition with the salt at the edge of the universe in wild blue yonder we get the answer that that is why like this has happened we believe that he was able to cross through um another thing that's of note it doesn't actually get referenced in the episode and i've watched it twice now so if i've missed something like you know maybe maybe i have missed something right but i don't think i have we don't get a mention in the story for why the toy maker is switching from German accent to his English accent to his French accent and whatnot so so quickly through scenes. But um a lot of people like we did we did hear from Russell that there would be a narrative reason for it. I think Josh has fallen asleep on us potentially. No, I'm awake. i oh, so thought he fell asleep. Thought you thought yeah. you thought you fucking fell off on us. Um no i i'm okay the the toy maker essentially this is what people have speculated anyway like there's no confirmation of this but russell said there'd be a narrative reason for the toy maker's accents and um Mm. i'm pretty sure i saw the winning comment for that and now and now i'm seeing it everywhere on every thread that i've seen and that's that the first doctor used he he mimicked the toy maker's accent in the celestial toy maker to like escape his realm by tricking one of the toy maker's devices into thinking it was the toy maker and they were able to get away because of it and so it seems like the toy maker is switching accents constantly so the doctor can't try that same trick again in in this story um mm. and we have um w- yeah we have we have them kind of the doctor sit down with the toy maker to play a game and the toy maker in this scene um very interesting he he mentions that he's 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 you know played with supernovas and he mentions that he like he makes a very fleeting remark that he gambled with 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 humanity's god and made him a jack-in-the-box as if he's actually found the truth behind behind that which is quite interesting and he mm. makes a mention that the master was dying and begged for one final game to save his life and lost to the toy maker. And The toy maker has sealed him for all eternity inside his golden tooth that he has. The toy maker's got oh. like a golden tooth. So the master is referenced and is referenced as, as being trapped within the toy maker's tooth. So we kind of have a whereabouts of the master at this point, but what master it is isn't mentioned, but we'll get there as well. He also makes mention that he played with another but 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 didn't finish the game and the doctor asks who and the toy maker responded with the one who waits which is from the trailer now we thought that that line sounded like it was John Sims voice it's not John Sims voice it is the toy maker that says it but we mm. don't get an answer as to who he's referring to and it very much does feel like a setup for someone that the toy maker was scared of and i'm not too sure who that will end up being but I would theorize and you know I'm just I'm just theorizing here who it could be that we never theorize saw in the, the Russell Island the I would way. theorize that it's potentially omega but I guess we'll just omega. have to see where, where that will where omega. that will go so we may get a shooting out where omega story down the track not sure um pretty cool down the track uh what can I tell you the toy maker wins that game um he beats him in a game of 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 cards essentially just it it was a very simple game of who could draw the highest card the doctor draws an eight the the toy maker draws a king and wins the game and then the doctor says well the oldest tradition of all is a best of three so the toy maker accepts the challenge and declares that we'll settle that in 2023 and then the whole shop kind of collapses down on itself Mm. and um and we find out that the whole shop was was just inside like a toy box and it, as it collapses itself like downwards and then the doctor brings the mm-hmm. box back to 2023 and, and has unit overlook it. Um, but just before that as well, I'll, there's an interesting line... Where the toy maker, before he collapses everything down, is just talking about his kind of inf- in in infatuation a little bit with humanity, and the games they play with each other, and he kind of mentions in one of those the this the that the canceling he kind of references like cancel culture essentially in the twenty mm. first century okay. as a game that humans are are playing at least at this point that were that that, that he then brings the game to in twenty twenty three, so we get back to unit HQ, and. Um, we get a musical kind of number. Not a it's it's a lip syncing. It's not Neil Patrick Harris singing himself, but The Spice Girls comes on and he infiltrates the unit kind of base, and some unit soldiers run at him to apprehend him, and he turns them into like kind of balls. And then he's dancing around. He kind of dances with Kate at one point, and then throws her into a wall. Dances with Mel, throws her onto the floor. Um, the the uh unit soldiers try and shoot at him the 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 bullets don't come out like rose petals come out of the bullets and he does like his musical kind of dance and then gets away and kate's going who who is this kind of person he's kind of trying to explain that it's outside the the normal constructs and confines of the universe like it doesn't play by our rules um and then the toy maker, very, very quickly, we find that he's now in a different attire and he's now outside on the laser beam on the unit helipad that, that was used to destroy the, uh, the, 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 the satellite because they destroy the satellite um, just before the doctor arrives back in modern times. Like we see, unit destroy the satellite. And he's now on there and he, he focuses the laser back at unit tower. And the doctor runs out onto the thing, and we get some stuff that we saw in the trailer. The doctor makes a proposition to the toy maker. Um, he kind of uh, he kind of says like, "Why you know you can you can turn like you know bullets into rose petals. You can do this and that. Like, why do you have to be so small? Like, why can't you do thing? Like, why can't you?" uh use your kind of cra- like these powers you've got for good like you know come with me you could travel this we can travel the stars we can bring your games back to the stars and leave leave humanity here and we could be celestial so he uses he drops the word celestial for people like as a reference back to obviously the celestial toy make which they dropped for obvious reasons Um, from the the title of the actual character and the way he dressed back in the day Um, and but we do get that kind of word referenced back as a reference to it and the toy maker declines Um, you know he goes in all the ghosting and all the things you humans do to each other like I'm not going to leave this I've kind of fallen in love with it myself and um, he swings back around quite promptly um, and kills the doctor essentially with the laser beam he puts it straight through the doctor and says i've played one game with 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 the, with with, with, the, with the with the other doctor i've now beaten you uh in a second game therefore the law like the rules of the game decree that i must play the the next game with the next doctor and so he's killing the doctor thinking that the doctor is going to regenerate and the doctor this time the 14th doctor um essentially accepts his death unlike what the 10th doctor did the 14th doctor accepts that you know as as whereas the 10th doctor where he was in his timeline thought that he like he kind of saw death as or or or, or regeneration as permanency of death for for himself mm-hmm. like that he would die and that someone else would replace him and go kind of like wandering around in his shoes but it wasn't him himself um this doctor when when someone says you're dying, he says, No, this isn't death, like this is renewal or something like that, and accepts that this is it's time for him to change. And um he starts the regeneration process and Donna and Mel join him on each side. And that's when he goes to regenerate and of course nothing happens this time. And he asks them to pull. He says something feels different this time. This is what you would have I'm guessing seen and then mm. like they pull him from each side and then th- the future doctor appears from tenant and we now have like the two doctors who have who are confused to what the hell is going on here uh and obviously push push they come out we get the the scene with i don't know if you've seen the scene after that Josh but it's it's everything is resolved fairly quickly that it comes back to the scene where The toy maker talked about the first ever game that that humans made and the doctor references that back um, once shooty has appeared and says, well, let's play ball, like let's play catch. First one to drop the ball loses. And so the toy maker accepts the challenge. He's initially peeved off that there's two doctors, um, instead of just the one doctor. But the doctor says, Well, you you kinda killed me. This happened. You were the one that's that, that actually caused this by generation. So technically by the rules, like we haven't we haven't done anything wrong. So will you accept the challenge or will you not accept the challenge? And the toy maker accepts the challenge to play catch with them all. Um, and Shudigawa, I've got to say it. He 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 steals the the episode. Like he hundred percent The highlight, a, would you say absolute highlight. is the highlight of the episode. He's bursting with energy. He's a really cool doctor. He's not even wearing any pants through the scene. He's <laughs> like got a shirt on and no pants on. It's pretty funny. But like he's he's just cool. Like he one at one point just lobs the ball at Tenant's doctor and Tenant has to catch it and go, We're on the same side. Like, what are you doing? And the shooty's just. Bouncing off the walls. Going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just okay. Let's get back to it. And then you've got this scene where apparently on the page, I read on, oh, I saw on behind the scenes, the entire page just had catch, 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 catch written on it to emphasize all that this scene would be, would be an extremely long sequence of how many ways can you catch a ball. And so you've got the toy maker, Gatwa, and Tenant playing catch. And then eventually, which this is what i'm saying that i i just personally like don't love too much and that is that we've seen the toy maker kind of give a puppet show within in his realm we see him dance on the streets of london like with or, or 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 camden or wherever it is that he's landed i can't remember i think it would have been camden like we see him dancing on the streets like with 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 tenant at the start in his in his top hat and tails but we don't really see much of him like actually tormenting humanity we just get the sequence in the unit building so by the time he drops the Mm. ball and he loses he 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 dies there and then and like that's that out like we're, we're told that this guy who actually like gambled with with god himself and made him a jack in the box just gets beaten by like dropping a ball so it just feels like it's just not long enough with the character for the threat that you're sold on I suppose and it's not mm. like it's not like all through Doctor Who history I guess like the doctor's gone around and like made reference of I hope I never see the toy maker again you know so that when the when the doctor like finally sees the um realizes it's the toy maker in the store earlier in 1925 there is a hundred percent a threat of like there is a there is an omin a, a, a kind of like it's very ominous it does it does feel dangerous when he when he when he realizes who it is but it's it's just it would have been even better if there had been build up to this over time or something like yeah. that where where you went oh my god like finally the rematch like i mean i've i if this was me doing it thunder nerds and obviously it's not of course but if i was if i had made a story like this and i had the time to do it i think i would have spent less time on some other things like some of the stuff that maybe unit potentially and i feel like what would have been interesting is you know potentially like and and we'll get into this tomorrow as well when we talk about the 60th anniversary and what, what what where it lands compared to other anniversary specials. But I feel like if I had come up with the idea of making the toymaker return and there was this moment um, that potentially would have been really interesting to, um, maybe like bring back Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and Arthur Darvill and 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 create a flashback scene to like a toy room where the we learn that the eleventh Doctor in an off screen adventure like fought the Toy Maker and then maybe flash to some quick montages of like a de-aged Tom Baker and some other Doctors in maybe like three or four other Doctors other than Hartnell that had like toy room encounters or something with the Toy Maker and survived and this is just the latest in a longer line of encounters with the toy maker well, that might homage the fools can dream do you know what i mean No, that fools could have been a lovely like way to homage the past without like you know if you didn't want to do multi-doctor don't bring them back but give us some unseen stuff of them that we never saw where we learn that the toy maker has been a foe similar to like the daleks or the cybermen he's he's faced multiple doctors before and we've just never seen them but maybe give it give us a look visually at what that might have looked like with some trickery so that's, anyway, that's my my thoughts. But um, very interesting. But, um, but so yeah, so th- tenant lives on. So that, so, eh? so what happens is the toy maker, um, the toy maker right before he dies mentions that his legions are coming, right? And so he he dies there and then after saying that. So so we've got we've got set up now for the master because after later on as they're walking off the unit helipad. A red fingernailed like it looks like a woman's hand picks up the golden tooth that remains on the ground and we hear the John Sim master laugh from the Russell T. Davies era. So it seems like they're set up for the master. It seems like they're set up for a foe that the toy maker faced, right? in, in, in that that he didn't want that he want to fight, I guess. We have set up now for the Legions of the Toymaker, whatever that means. And we also have set up as well in the Star Beast for the Meeps boss. And these all seem to be different, different setups. So we've got about four different setups at the moment for different things that could come in the future, whether they be spin off, whether they be in the main show, not sure,
2: right? See, for me, like, mm. this feels more like instead of an anniversary trilogy, it feels like a preamble for the new series. Kind of. I think so. It doesn't. There's nothing I mean, from what you've said Mm. and I don't want to be an entitled fan. Mm. Okay. We've talked about this in in previous podcasts about fan entitlement, but there's nothing that screams uh, 60th to me and um, I feel like Doing three standalone stories with with a new doctor with with the the fourteenth doctor, mm. I don't know how well that really works. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I am I am I crazy? Like in, looking back now, obviously I haven't seen the giggle, but would you have preferred a three part story or? instead of these three individual stories but because it kind of feels like the star bases take like takes place on earth. Wobbly yonder is, is, is just a, a random story off in space. And then we go back to earth Yep, for, for, for the giggle. hundred so percent. That's exactly like,
1: what it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think if, if I, if you, if I had it my way, um, if I had it my way, I suppose I would have, I don't know what I would have liked to be honest. I think I think if if you I do I'll say what I that I do think if the toy maker is not coming back, which I I imagine maybe he will but like I, I don't know what the legions mean, but I'm gonna get into a theory of what the legions are in a, in a second but um, I don't know. I just think that if you're gonna bring the toy maker back I, I, I guess the thing that was a little bit weak for me was that we've been promised the Toymaker for now over a year. Like, the filming photos came out. We all knew it was the Toy Maker very early on, right? They then release everything. The Toymaker's coming. The Toymaker's coming. There's quite literally not a mention of him in Special 1, not Special 2. But the only thing in Special 2 that links in with this is the whole, like, salt at the, at the edge of the universe, but we don't see anything of the Toymaker at all. And so it feels like when he arrives, yes, he's arrived in Scene 1 of the story, but he's just not doing enough really when you've got when this villain was like he's 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 right back from 1966 there's so much endless possibility you can do given that he's so different to the daleks the master the cybermen the ones that we see all the time i just think there's 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 endless potential that was that was not tapped into with the character and the fact that he never leaves the unit helipad is just a bit disappointing um in this story you know so I've I've been looking at um, and I get why they did it. I get that they, mm. I understand what they've done with these specials. They've obviously looked at where was Doctor Who at its most popular peak in the new series. Well, let's try and smash this over the head. Like let's try and get the public, the the general public back on board after everything that the general public's probably heard of Doctor Who in the background. Let's try and bring back the the uh. What would you call it? Like the
2: I just, I just really the old don't rock like. and roll
1: band or something. You know, I
2: don't like. Mm. I de- I I would almost say I detest mm. that. The that tenant's doctor is getting this special treatment, mate. I, again, like I don't like that. Yep. For, for what what it sets like the precedent it sets for the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't I don't like the like preferential treatment of um yep. specific doctors as being more special and deserving of happy endings than others. Yep. Yep. It's just bizarre and it feels almost like Russell's it's Russell's doctor and he wants his doctor to have um you know a happy ending where yep. hey that's not um that's not that that's
1: not cool. I don't I don't think that yep. I don't think that works for the character. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that um I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um I I think that Tenet I I like Tenet. He's not in my top five doctors, personally. Um I understand the mission statement, but it just doesn't I, I think I'm in that party where I'm like it just doesn't feel like the sixtieth anniversary, it feels like a greatest hits of the Russell T. Davies era type. Like three specials. Yeah, um, um it doesn't celebrate if, the 60th, mm. 60 years of Doctor Who. As such.
2: I remember being being personally. disappointed with, mm. with the day of the Doctor initially, like like when it was ramping up. I was like, oh, we've got David back and Matt and that's it. Like there's no classic uh, representation. It's just a really a celebration of New Who. Mm. And then obviously it, it delivered. And I yeah. thought they were going to do the same thing here. I thought there was going to be something. Mm. Mm. And it maybe truly was the, the this last minute, the tale, Tales of the TARDIS thing was a bit of a huh, a bit of creative guilt perhaps on the behalf of russell
1: <laughs> yeah maybe i mean I, I i i speculated at one point to you and i don't know if it was on Mike, don't know if it was off Mike. you know imagine if like other other doctors were like sealed in cryogenic chambers or something in wild blue yonder and then i saw a clip later behind the scenes where one of russell's ideas for wild blue yonder was that you know maybe william hartnell is found in, the, in a vault on a lower deck or something of the ship And like I was like, that's kind of cool. Like he justified it as going, I'm gonna stick to my original idea. My original idea was that you know the 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 like we're gonna have two characters on this ship, and that's that's it. For me, I just think something 60. I know the Toy Maker is it was back there in the 60s, but it's Doctors, isn't it? It's that at the end of the day, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who is the Doctor's birthday. And so it should celebrate all, or everything doctor, shouldn't it? That's that's what it should be mm. to me. And so I think that looking forward, of course, like we, we, we should always look forward. I, to be honest, I thought that um, the day of the doctor balanced looking forward and looking back brilliantly. I thought that, you know, it didn't make a party of it by having every single doctor turn up. And when they turned up, narratively speaking, it it really, really worked having them all there, like even just in their archive footage, saving Gallifrey. Um, And then Capaldi, we had Capaldi who wasn't the doctor yet and he turned up and it was like we'd never seen something like that where a future doctor turned up and it blew people's minds. We got a clip of Eccleston there put in. We got the, the regeneration of McGann or oh, sorry, of John Hurt to, to Chris hinted at. We had the curator there, like Tom Baker was back. It just, it balanced things beautifully in a narrative way and it did it all in 75 minutes. It was one special, 75 minutes. It, it played out a, a, a plot in the past and the present and the future all coherently at the same time. Like, and it did it all in the one 75-minute special and um i just think we had three specials here we had three whole hours of 60th special potential and i don't think we covered all of those 60 years i really worry do you know we're getting um
2: we're getting uh, a, a tenant spin off mate so that, that's
1: what's happening yeah i know i know that you're um you're fairly worried about that um i oh, i yeah. have to say something um do, do we unlock the vault quickly I have to um,
2: I have to do a bit of uh, housekeeping at the moment right now. Mm. I've been holding on to
1: a secret. Right. Let's for quite vault. a while, and I, I I need to come clean. Let's quickly just say this: the vault, people, the vault, the vault is going to be a new thing. Where if we if we have sat on something or there's something that 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 we need to say, and and then we're going to unlock the vault, and in the vault, no one is judged. No one is cancelled. No one is is beaten. We we hear what's in the vault, and once what's said from the vault, right? If it's if it's if it's said in the vault, it stays in the vault. Once we lock that vault, we all just forget about it. So we're unlocking the vault right now because there's something right, I found I'm, out about that vault. shocked me to my core.
2: I've, I've already spoken to Indigo about this. I could, I confided in him. All right. I um. Here we go. And I said, I don't know if I can, I can say this, but he's really encouraged me to come clean. Say so. this, brother. Say this. I um, I actively dislike the Tenth Doctor. Wow. I actively dislike him. I I I really don't like the Tenth Doctor. There he's we go. He's probably my least favorite Doctor. People,
1: mm. mm-hmm. and that's um, that's probably not a popular opinion. The messages, okay, the messages that, that I got popular. from Josh, had me in stitches oh as they came through. Oh my the, Lord. The, the little minute reasons for why he just didn't like Tennant was just wonderfully like. And the truth is, I understand. That's the truth. I mean, truth I, is, I like mm, David Tennant. Yep. I actually
2: really like him. Yeah, but something about his doctor, mm. the portrayal, the like the the. His like from what I've seen, I, especially. Mm. Uh, I just can't wait to go yeah, through this with you not now. Me.
1: Now that we've now that this has come out, London the, nerds, the I don't like
2: whimsy people. I don't like whimsy. Mm. I don't like Tumblr doctors. <laughs> Matt Smith. Matt Smith. All right. Matt Smith is good. Yeah. I, I, what is it about he, Smith the, that works for you? He he doesn't get too. I think it's the I think it's the love aspect. Mm-hmm, mate. Mm-hmm. I fucking detest that. I detest it. Yep, yep. When, when I see when I see David gawking over Man, I can't I can't help but picture Willingham <laughs> doing it up, mate. <laughs> or, or Colin Baker, you know, like
1: oh oh my god,
2: like Col- like like like, like oh. hu- humid cl- clammy hand, Colin, oh, you know, oh. like holding Rose's hands, you know, <laughs> like it's it's just. Um, oh. I don't like my mm. like, – or oh, Tom, Tom Bacon, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, the, my the, my doctors – Come here, Ross. Are fucking like alien. Yeah. yeah alien, yeah. and they yeah. they hate people. Like, they they, they find humans, like, yeah. disgusting yeah. In, a, in a weird way. Yeah. Like, not that they hate them, but it's like, he's an alien, bro. Yep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. I don't, that I don't like that. There's parts that he can't fully
1: understand about humans. <sighs> anyway, I, can, you know? I
2: can I can go into minutia of mm. – of just petty things I don't like, but yeah, yeah, not hate humanity. It's just that reason. like
1: you you like that doctor that, that 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 you know he can he can rub shoulders with with humans, but he doesn't. Oh, yeah, there's so I mean, many yeah. like things that he just doesn't understand at, at a core level. You know he's so knowledgeable in all these aspects, and yet there's things that he'll just never quite understand about humanity. I, mean, or, I understand or, or that resonate like with, you
2: know. I understand that like there. They have different personalities, okay, like and uh, that's that's fine, but you're telling me it took if, if why why then was David the first fucking doctor to pretty much get like apart from Paul McGann, okay i'll 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 shelve that for a second mm. imagine the the movie it doesn't exist for a second. We'll talk about just the the show why is it that it takes all the way till the doctor's 11th incarnation before he fucking has the hots for his companion you know what i'm saying
1: i suppose i mean Why i think it that? was just done subtly in, in classic who there's inferences to suggest that like you know it was tough for him to say goodbye to sarah jane in the hand of fear there's a there's a there's a weird yeah, that's feeling love. That's of pl- like
2: platonic that's platonic love yeah
1: i feel isn't it like uh, not
2: romantic love
1: yeah i i'm not sure i'm not sure the way that he says goodbye to her it it's obviously never said again, and it's it it's never anything other than platonic, of course, on screen when you see it. But there's like I don't know if there's that underlying inference that uh, maybe they had more feelings than that, but that you just never see it and never and they never act on it. And then there was also like you know a beautiful goodbye between Joe and the Doctor, which was different kind of goodbye. I mean the first Doctor like. You know, falls in love for fuck's sake in the Aztecs with some some chick called Cocoa or something. You know, like it's 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 it's, guess, it's, yeah. it's 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 there in classic Who. It's just not. It's just never like like it is with something like Rose. It's it's funny. I was speaking to another mate of mine actually about this recently. We were talking about this. He's been listening to the podcast and um, he made an interesting point because we were talking about why is it that um, why is it that when we watch something like the Ninth Doctor and Rose, why does it work as opposed to Tennant and Rose? And I think it works Because for, I feel mm, uh, he mentioned I don't what we're saying. Well he mentioned it's because they're so they're so different from each other. They're such an odd pairing. And I think that he's absolutely right with that. Like the Ninth Doctor's much more stark. He's very kind of brooding is that he can be very fucking alien and for some reason their kind of love that they have for each other and that you'll see by the end of series one it just works whereas the tenant and the rose thing in series two it really just uh i just think he's
2: lame i just think he's lame you just don't like him i don't yeah. know am i am i just am i just a Fucking loser. Am I, am I just missing the point, mate? Like,
1: I guess he's like, I, if I, any of the doctors were like, like the, a, uh, a prince charming type I don't type like him doctor. in the rain. I don't, I
2: don't like him standing out in the rain. Mm. I've seen that fucking gif like a thousand times mm. back in the day, and I don't, I don't like it, mate. Yeah. It's just lame. I don't like my doctor pouting in the rain, mm. you know? Yeah. I don't like the. I've seen The End of Time. That's one I have seen. Okay. Okay. Yep. And I don't like the. the the, the what would you call it the the grandiose um fucking
1: of of like his goodbye it? like that
2: one doctor the ego trip mate yeah it's like the ego trip of of his goodbye is just fucking definitely it's just it's just sickening to me yeah I, I, this is I'm using some harsh words here people but it's the
1: vault yeah we're in the, the, the vault, vault here okay. I guess it doesn't it's never really bothered me to be honest and I I mean yes is he a prince charming doctor is he like the doctor that's like you know he's got the sword or he's on the he's on the horse or something like? Yes, he is. Like, is he the doctor that? Let's talk about this. Kisses Rose, kisses Martha, kisses Donna, kisses Astrid, kisses Lady oh, Christina Dazoozi. Yes, on. like does he kiss pretty much every companion he has? Yes. Does he? Is there always a narrative reason? Yes, but is it always, like, is it most of the time, like, especially when it's someone like Donna who's just his friend, is, is there just a weird reason narratively to try and make it happen? Yes, and I don't love that, 100%. But I've never minded that the Doctor because they're all to me they're all like they do all have different personalities they all do have the same memories and whatnot but when they change like they've all got their own ideas that other doctors don't always have and i think that's part of the reason why i'd love to see like a a civil war type scenario because i don't think they all like there's other there's some doctors that Think one thing tastes good, and another doctor's palate is completely different. But it's also the same for the way they think and the ideas they have. I think so. I've always, I've never minded that as much because I always thought that the tenant doctor, in 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 hindsight, in retrospective, was a little bit more of, well, did he had a did he have a tough run with his companions? Yes, but by the end of it, he kind of is a little bit childish in the way that he acts by the end of his run. The way the doctor goes, you know, I'm never. I'm never traveling with anyone ever again. He goes almost like in Planet of the Dead, like full emo, like he's never going to have a companion yeah, like ever. Phase, like, and I like that, that this Doctor just goes through this weird phase where one Doctor became like, like you know, he went, I'm never traveling with a companion, like I'm going to do this crazy thing in the waters of Mars. And then at the end of time, like it's inferred that on screen, he goes back and watches over all his companions, but Russell T Davies has the Doctor deliver a line in... The Sarah Jane Adventures, the Matt Smith Doctor delivers a line in the Sarah Jane Adventures, the death of the Doctor, where the Doctor confirms canonically that he didn't just go back to visit all the 10th Doctor companions as his Doctor, he went back to every single companion the Doctors had and saw them again in the end-of-time events. And it's very yeah, melodramatic and I like that that Doctor just goes through this melodramatic phase and the 11th Doctor then kind of mentions in his regeneration story I oh, I had vanity issues at the time when I did this and that and I like that there's Doctors that have completely different personalities that you might, if they would all meet up, they'd go, oh, God, it's, it's such a drama queen, this guy. I can get I like that. that. I can understand. But I know I, what I, you I mean. Like, you just do not I just don't like, like it. it.
2: Yeah. I just fucking don't like yeah. it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't buy him. Yeah. When he gets fucking emotional. Something about like when he when he yells and screams. Yeah. It just it's not like it's it's not like Chris. Yeah, my sister uh
1: said 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 similar. She said, Yeah, look, I just don't buy I just don't buy tenant's acting actually as the doctor. She doesn't buy it. Um and Look, I'll say this, there's a stark difference, please, people. You have to at least admit. I mean, maybe maybe some of you haven't listened or watched That I would hope. I, I don't like hearing when people say oh, I'll skip Doctor Nine and start at the Christmas Invasion. I, I don't like that. Um te- I, I really think you're missing out on something if you're not watching the, the the series that kicked Doctor Who back into into the public consciousness with the Ninth Doctor because Chris did a hell of a lot of leg work to to make this show what it what it became, I think, anyway. And I think it's one of the strongest tightly plotted seasons of Doctor Who, period. And I I think we if we can all just get on one level here and agree after we spoke about Dalek as well, there's a difference between Christo Eccleston harnessing the power of the room and, and drawing you in when he when he gets emotional as the Doctor and, and David Tennant, I feel. Is that? I don't think that's wrong to say. There's a difference. I feel like, I feel like there's a difference. You know,
2: like Chris is when Chris yells, he has a righteous fury behind him. Yep. Where when David yells, he sounds like a a whinging teen. Mm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he sounds like a little little kid that's having a tantrum. Mm. It's very strange. Yep. And look, again. Yep. I think he's great. I think he's a really good actor. Mm. From like other stuff I've seen him in, mm. mm-hmm. um, but for some reason, something about his his doctor I don't have never liked. Yep. And if the if if what I suspect is true, and he's he's coming back, mm. he's coming back for a spin off, mate, or he's gonna he's gonna appear in some some way, and he's gonna be like, he's gonna be the Mark Hamill for the new Doctor Who. Mm.
1: Mm. Essentially, mm.
2: they're gonna bring him back, and he's gonna cameo here and there. Yep as a little Easter egg for, for Doctor Who fans, and every time I'm going to roll my eyes. Mm. And I don't love that. I don't love that if, that if that's
1: true. I mean, I've said this before, and I'm not going to stop, you know, pounding this into the earth. Do we shut the vault, by the way, now? Is the vault shut? Shut the vault, we'll people. Shut the vault. Vault shut. Vault shut. Now, what I want to quickly say is I just don't love that. I really don't. I don't... Is it wrong for me to want a Paul McGann spin-off? Is it? Is that terrible? Is it terrible that I no, would want a, a doctor to come back who who never got his time in the limelight, who, that has some great big finish stories, he's been playing the doctor, he looks they're still not, great. They're not, like, they're, they're
2: not gonna so do that. Then they're not gonna do that. So are you are, are you locking
1: in are you absolutely unequivocally locking in that you think that Paul McGann I'm does not have in. a spin off coming? <sighs> I just don't think that's the case. There's
2: no poem again. I'm locking in that there's no poem again. I'm locking in that Disney knows where the money is. Goodness me! I can only hope you're wrong. They're the money people. I'm locking in unit spin off with the doctor as like an advisor. And David Tennant loves money. He's an actor. He he wants a paycheck. He's gonna do it, mate. If this happens, fans, if if this
1: happens, we've got serious, serious like we've got problems coming. We we really do. If that actually is something that happens, we have got problems. Right? I, I just I think I, really, I think I, you no. honestly have to go where the narrative like opportunities, the story opportunities are, there is more story possibility to be mined in an eighth doctor spin off than there is in a tenant spin off, and that's just as simple as it is. Like to be fair, I'm
2: not really interested in a unit spin off after seeing these well, after seeing the Starbeast. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, it's just more like it would just be more Marvel shtick, yeah. Thing, yeah, like aliens invading with like, and then you got like fucking like you know, mm. on Earth, like it'll, it'll it'll feel like Marvel 2.0, I think. Yep, um, like, so what spin kind of like off would we like shield, to see? Should we talk about that? What spin off
1: would we like to see? Um,
2: Eighth Doctor, and that's basically it. I think you don't do two
1: mm. uh, Eighth Doctor, yeah,
2: and then maybe like, yeah, just like a one off um like mini series following like uh a, maybe like a cyberman invasion of a planet mm. and it's just there's no doctor involved and you're just seeing the process of like mm. a planet, a civilization slowly getting to- taken over by like um the Cybermen, something like that where mm. it's completely disconnected from the Doctor. See
1: I- I'm gonna say something crazy, people. Like I know this is just like this is honestly <sighs> this is shameless like fan drivel, but I I would love to see the the rumored as it was the monster anthology series where you take a few key Doctor Who monsters and whatnot and you put them in scenarios where the Doctor didn't turn up to save the day. I want I would love to see that with the Cyberman. I'd love to see it with the Daleks. I tell you who I'd love to see it with. I'd love to see a story, whether it be a mini series or just a story where you see the Derek Jacobi. You know, War Master from the Time War, who appears only once in in New Doctor Who. He's only got one story. But if you were to see Derek Jacobi return as the Master, and it leads up and crosses over with with the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, actually having a televised like face off with the with the War Master played by Derek Jacobi, I I think that would be quite unbelievable. Um, and I don't know if anyone listening has listened to any of the Big Finish audio stories with the master. It's one, of, it's one of the best characters they've ever made, like they've ever fleshed out. It's one of the best series they've ever done, the War Master series. His master is extremely interesting compared to other masters because his success rate is nearly 100% in every plan he executes. He's easily the most tactile ruthless master in some of the, in the ways that he goes about some of the things he does. And I would love to see that master who would almost treat other incarnations of the master. Even the Roger Delgado as like a, a child who can't get his, get his homework done. I'd love to see that master face off with the I doctor. would love,
2: so I'd love, a would love an eighth doctor spin off mm, mm. to be fair. I would even love mm. like, how, I don't know how you do this. Maybe an animated. Yeah. Yeah. Like mini series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that takes place, you know, essentially as it, it as season six b yep would be interesting to me. Take a couple, um, you know, get get some good voice actors and make a few like original animated like stories with with Troughton. This is just purely fan fucking fanning out here, guys. You know? Like, it's not gonna happen, right? I'd love it. I'd love a story or like a series exploring like early Gallifrey, mm, even mm, you know. Mm. Like, like, um, like the development of of the technology and all that would be really um fascinating. Mm. But um, apart from that, I don't really have anything else. Yep, that I'd like to see. You know what's sad, mate? Tell me. I think I just thought about this right now. Yeah. And thunder nerds, we have to, we have to basically think about this right now. <sighs> We're not getting Tom Baker back ever again.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: The ship has sailed. Isn't that isn't that interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't think he'll be back.
2: Yeah, you know, he's never appearing in Doctor Who again. I can't
1: see a scenario. Yeah,
2: you, you can't. You, are you, reasonably you can't. I think he probably can't foresee something. I've got to be
1: honest. I think he probably called it himself. I think he he must have mm. said that's me done. Um. Yeah, but like mm. I
2: understand for the tales of the Tartars. Yeah. Yes. Um. But like, yeah, Russell had no obviously had no plans. You know for for the specials no
1: no i don't think so no
2: um by for tales of the titus he, yeah, he probably said no probably said I no imagine. i mean
1: what else do you do like at, at, at some point if you're if you like do you go what do we do with him we're just doing the 50th anniversary again does that cross your mind i mean are we getting into uh, is it is it an example of like giving the fans everything they possibly want is not a good thing well i guess we'll never know we never saw it happen but i'll tell you this the curator scene that was written for the 50th anniversary was one of the most beautifully written scenes I think Doctor Who has ever done. And I, I, I don't know if you would be able to make something that could possibly even better it. Um, I'm not sure. Personally, I don't think it would have been better. It was so beautifully kind of timeless in the way that it was done, the way it pushed the show forward, but also looked back. Um, well could it have been bedded as a scene, as a single scene of Doctor Who could it have been bedded? Would it have felt like the 50th 2.0 and Russell just trying to copy his mate Steve? And I, I don't know. I think maybe. I know maybe 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 us not getting it is is the best thing that could have happened. I don't know. I can tell you that either way, we'll never know that, but I would I would have if I had it my way, I would have wanted to have seen Tom Baker back one last time, you know, as the doctor. But um, alas, I don't think it's to be. I don't think it's to be. I, I'm going to continue on with what where we're at with this, though, because we've got a lot to talk about still. Let's talk about the Toymaker's gone. We've got two doctors. Josh, the Bi Regeneration was absolutely correct, okay? Especially the second leak that came out, the one that you sent me a little bit later, um, that that I that I put on um, one of the podcasts, I mentioned it. So this one mentioned that the TARDIS would be split in two by a mallet. All right, and that happened. It all it also went on to say something like the Meeps boss beep. The Meeps boss was someone close to the Doctor. That hasn't obviously happened yet. So whether or not that turns out to be true, but the track record says that it it, it is true. So we'll have to wait on that one for the moment. Stand by, but we've got two doctors, okay? Now, they go into the TARDIS, and the tenant doctor says, well, there's essentially just mention, and I can't give you the exact dialogue, because I honestly can't remember it myself, but the 15th doctor is in such a good place, and it's clear that he is, that the 14th doctor makes mention of how he do do I become you or something there's something along those lines now I could be wrong I've seen it twice now I was tired when I watched it but I'm just saying I'm wrapping up that scene though you'll know the one I'm talking about where the two doctors and Donna in the TARDIS and the doctor mentions you know well this is the 15th doctor now he says I'm like the way I am because you did like we're time lords like we did therapy the wrong way round does that make sense? So uh, this is what the inference is, and because this is the only only hint that we get of this by regeneration and what it means properly in in the in the episode, it's inferring what the leak had said. It's inferring that the fourteenth doctor will live a life somewhere. Okay, he'll then one day off screen regenerate into the fifteenth doctor, and at the moment of regeneration, the fifteenth doctor will be pulled back and live earlier than he actually is meant to live in the giggle therefore creating like a closed time loop and that the 14th doctor stopping and just slowing down for a second, we get mentions of all different things in the scene. We get mentions of Riversong. We get mentions of Adric. We we get reference from the fifteenth Doctor that Sarah Jane's gone. The trial of a time lord is mentioned. The key to time is mentioned. Legopolis events are mentioned. The Pandorica is mentioned. The gods of Ragnarok from the seventh Doctor are mentioned. The Time Wars mentioned. The Doctor says we've done all of this and we've never once stopped. And you need to stop and slow down. And you slowing down and stopping. And just taking a moment, almost like therapy, is what makes me better. And so it essentially infers that the 14th Doctor will become the Therapy Doctor. And this whole new era of Doctor Who, from what we understand, is a Doctor unbridled by his past. So the 15th Doctor is essentially a fresh reboot. He's not going to be kind of burdened by what's coming before. It seems like when we catch up with him in the Christmas special, time will have passed... But this doctor will be very different to the doctor that we've seen before. So interesting to know that this is from the future. Now the TARDIS splitting off. We've had Russell T Davies confirm that the TARDIS splitting off will, in fact, he said in the in the in the Envision commentary for the story that he foresees fans might kind of worry that this TARDIS that Shooty Gatwa has is not the TARDIS that the Doctor's travelled in for the last sixty years because there's now two. It is the same TARDIS from a different point in its time stream, from the later point in its time stream. And he says that there's an episode coming in Gatwas era where he absolutely confirms in a way that he can't reveal yet that this TARDIS is the same TARDIS um, that we've, we've had traveling with us for the last 60 years. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Now, I want to talk, Josh, about the fact that there is two TARDISes and that there is two like because this is obviously he will regenerate off screen at one point into gap where you would imagine down the track whenever that happens i can't personally see the 14th doctor because the 14th doctor by the end of it sorry i just had to readjust myself the 14th doctor by the end of it settles down with the noble family with donna with mad auntie mel and whatnot he settles down and goes this is You know, I've fought all these battles and all these wars for so long and and now I know what for. Like, I'm I'm here, like, living like this. And my question to you, Josh, is, like, is this a problem that the doctor has a TARDIS like this? Is this a problem?
2: I don't understand why Mm. they didn't just keep the one TARDIS Mm. and say, hey... I'll drop you off on, mm. you know, you stay here. You're not you're not allowed to leave. You're meant to you're meant to take it easy. Yeah. Yep. That's and that that for me would be satisfying yep. Yep. a little bit more. Yep. But the fact that he has a TARDIS yep. just shows me that they are preparing for him to come back mm. in some capacity. It's interesting. Whether hey? it's in a year from now, whether whether it's two years from now tenant is coming back people because
1: you can't imagine and this is I think this is my problem with it and and I, and I spoke to my sister after the story and I just kind of vented to my, my mate Liam about it and and my sister said exactly what I'd said to my friend and I'll tell you what that was. My biggest problem with this and and, and maybe I'll try and I'll try and play devil's advocate to my own thoughts in a second but i just want to see what your thoughts on this are. My biggest problem is that giving the 14th Doctor the TARDIS, okay, and going, okay, the 15th Doctor's got the TARDIS, it's from a later point in the time stream. That explains why the 15th Doctor's TARDIS, when the two TARDIS are next to each other and Tenet runs into each of them and compares. One of them is exactly as it was in the 60th specials. One of them is a slightly different tinge of color and has a jukebox there because at some point... The Doctor, the 14th, must have added a jukebox, and now the 15th Doctor has that same TARDIS. That's the inference in the story, that it's the same TARDIS, okay? So my question is this. Is it a problem giving the two the TARDIS? Like, my first thing when this story ended was, firstly, I can't see the 14th Doctor just... I just... I cannot see the Doctor just confined to Earth with his TARDIS, and they even mention at the end while they're around the table and the 14th Doctor's kind of having, you know, food or lunch or whatever with the Noble family. He goes, I took Rose. Just Rose kind of goes, oh, we went to Mars just the other day. So it makes an inference that they oh. snuck off and did something. And then, and then Mel goes, yeah, he took me here the other day. And he's going just little, little trips here and there. And I'm going, I can't see the Doctor One absolutely staying on Earth and doing that. And and without and without flying off in the box that he's got. And this is my biggest one. Every time from now on, when Gat was in a problem, we have an alien invasion, we're gonna say, Where is the other doctor? Where is Dr. 14 amongst all this? Why isn't he stepping in to help? Now, maybe they will get him to step in and help, and I don't really love that. Okay. But my question is that from now on, are we always just gonna be saying like you know while while the 15th doctors you know cornered by a bunch of daleks where's 14 to step in and materialize and and, and help him with this invasion to, to of a to be earth. devil's advocate
2: yeah oh, oh to be devil's advocate that would only come up i guess in earth invasion that, absolutely it would but that's is that because not like, something you can, yeah. can, can you see yeah, what yeah, i'm maybe saying maybe just won't they, yeah i know what you can you mean. see where I mean, it causes a problem like theoretically you could say why does the doctor just fucking recruit all of his Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like every time, hundred like percent. All fifteen of you come and help me right now. Absolutely, because, uh, we've got an invasion. Yeah. You
1: know? I mean, my pro- my problem is 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 like, and that's where I was going to go with Devil's Advocate, right? Devil's Advocate. I was going to say, well, to to play Devil's Advocate to the idea that the Fourteenth Doctor wouldn't step in. Here's another thing. What? Why don't doctors accidentally cross each other while one of them's already trying to do something?
2: I've always thought that. You as know, well. like, like, why don't? Are there m- points in time where Colin Baker and Patrick Troughton- or not? that's a bad example because they, they have. have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like, but like, like, like Paul McGann and, mm. um, mm. like John Pertwee just happen to be on the same like crossing paths. Mm. Uh, uh, or, uh, you know, on on Earth at the same point in time. Yep. You know. Yep. Hundred percent. I've always, I've always, found, always that found that
1: interesting. And I've always wondered that, and I, and that's my devil's advocate to my own thing, but it's just. You, you have to I just felt you had to make it clear that this doctor didn't have you just had to make that clear in my opinion you had to you had to make it clear that because 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 without it well maybe you're right maybe they are doing a spin-off maybe they are I, I don't love that I really don't love that and I, and I even even if they don't do a spin-off I just don't love the prospect that the future of doctor who could have that mark hamill role come up where every now and then the 14th steps in into the main show again to help out the 15th doctor i just don't i don't love that personally um it's just not i i think i think doctor who and we can talk about this more tomorrow i think really we need to hit this reset button and hit it big time with shooty Gatwa's was next era to say shooting out where he's absolutely the doctor, which they've already said, they have already they already make mention in this story and they do it for that very reason. There's a line of dialogue where Donna says, well, you're older than him. You came after him. Not saying from him, saying after him to try and shut down those fans. I'm guessing that'll be like, it's not the doctor. Shooting out was not the doctor. Then why do the bi-regeneration people? Exactly. Like,
2: why even do it? Why exactly. Why fuck around? Why fuck around? Why Sorry. not just
1: say, hey, let's just make it a regeneration I I feel like and I've said this to so many people that I've spoken to That's since this because episode, they want they why want not just do it spin
2: off they want a tenant spin off they want the cake they want to have their cake and eat it two
1: people I just don't okay. love it I don't love that we're going hey <laughs> like let's split it off what keep it clean keep it concise and say the 14th doctor regenerated the 15th doctor was there we had an opportunity that we almost tapped into that we didn't I've always wanted to see it this was the first time to do it a doctor dying mid-problem, mid-story, and the other Doctor coming in that succeeds him to finish off the baddie or the or the problem of the week. We've never had it. We almost had it. Why did we not commit to doing that for the first time ever? Already, Shudy Gatwa has now had the most screen time of any new Doctor by spades. Like, absolute shit-ton now more screen time than any other Doctor's had in their first story and moments or like at the end of another doctor's story like I'm just not sure I want to talk about a couple of things all right before we wrap this up the first before thing Before
2: we uh, get started before we get started on uh, thunder Nerds, Uh it's uh, currently it's currently 2am where i am that's crazy so he's do, do we want to do we want to, do you want, want, want to save these these thoughts to tomorrow's
1: um podcast i'm going to say one of them Say one. Okay, I'm going to say one of them. Cause give me, give, give me your. Part I'm going to actually. Moment. I'm actually going to. Well, first of all, I want to talk about the God, the Legions of the Toy Maker. I'll br- I'll touch on this extremely quickly. That the podcast, the official Doctor Who podcast, Russell sent in a voice kind of thing to them, and he mentioned that the Legions are, are definitely coming, and he's talked about there's been all types of different things in Doctor Who's past that have been Toy esque in those realms. Like the gods of Ragnarok from the Seventh Doctor, what would what would they want to see, and what might they think is coming? And so that that very much hints that the Black Guardian and the White Guardian will be returning in some way. It hints that potentially the Devil from uh, Series Two with Tenant will will come back, and that's an a, an enemy. Gatwa himself has said he wanted to 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 face off again, so keep that in your mind. Now I'm going to get into this so that we can let Josh go. Um, I don't know if you're going to hear this, Josh, but I'm just going to play it. Um, I sent it to you earlier, but I'm going to play it here mm. on the podcast so that people can hear it right before I talk about it. Russell explaining the buy regeneration. I'm going to bring this up right now and talk about it. Here we go. Hold up. If you can't hear it, just bear in mind, like I'm playing it for a couple of minutes. I'll tell you when it's over. All right. I'm going to take my headphones out.
0: that regeneration is always done as a tragedy and a sadness and, you know, life moves on and stuff like that. Oh, let's have a happy one. Let's, that's the only option. <laughs> <laughs> but let's have a happy one. And I, my theory is, okay, shall I do my theory? About yeah, go on, yeah. uh, because I think there's no better place to say it. That um, I think what with Peter having been in and Colin having been in, I think down the timeline they all separated. They all went like that. They all the doctors came back to life with right. their individual artists. It's a gift of the toy maker. And they're all out there travelling around. That's what I'm calling a doctor-verse. <laughs> wow! look at this. Doctor this, is this is major. That. This so is like major. and I want to know, how to create a future in which, in which Sylvester McCoy can just arrive wow. and have an adventure. Yeah. Because you know, one of the things about The Star Beast is to get you back and get you back jump through so many hoops. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great story, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, yeah. it's like, why can't you just arrive and step out the TARDIS? So hopefully it creates a future in which that happens. Yeah. In because when in these things, well, I mean, this, will be, this may not be that interesting to people who've already seen them on the iPlayer, but these tales of the TARDIS that you've done, when well, obviously you're dealing with some actors who, are not the age they once were no. um, but you're just you're not addressing that you're just and no there's kind of little lines saying all oh, the timelines and things oh, like right, that okay. none of us none of them find it strange i think if we ever do another little spin if i can it, it's pretty hard to find an adventure stop in which to say this oh yes by oh, the way sure. we yeah. once or you know yeah. i think peter once. It was left behind on the surface of androsani and woke up and there was a tardis and he carried on uh, yeah, having those adventures because yeah. it's exactly what big finish does it's exactly what everyone well, does well, well, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, sylvester in his stays doesn't he he says there are different timelines time and i'm not this i'm from a timeline in which i i didn't change i just got old right right and i love that yes and actually science fiction right you know we're coming a history of kind of linear science fiction of the 60s, 70s, 80s, where the Doctor regenerates. Now we live in the world of the Spiderverse. Yes, and Multiverses quite. are yeah. the thing, and no one has a problem following this. Yeah. So I think it's time to just kind of open it up and yeah. say, they're all out there now. Like the way Colin Baker once turned up to save Patrick Towns' life. Yes. But I mean, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. But I'm now saying that was a little echo it was a of future the yeah. happening yes. backwards. Yes, nice. Is anyone
1: listening? Okay, so I'm going to put my headphones back in. Now, I hope we've not put Josh to sleep with that. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so I don't know if you heard any of that. Um, I don't know if you watched the video. But I'm going to talk about it now, in any case, what you all just heard. So. Russell has said, and he said this in the Doctor Who magazine, about the, the bi-regeneration. He said, listen to the in-vision in- commentary that I say. I say something there that is absolutely true and absolutely canon and whatnot or something. And it's interesting because it's not, it's not canon yet. Well, Russell says it is, but he hasn't put it on screen yet. Okay? But what he's essentially said is that everyone, all general audiences, you've got Big Finish, you've got other things, they come up with their own excuses. He said, we've got the Spider-Verse these days with Marvel. No one has a problem like kind of um, dealing with all of those things or following all of those things. He has said that he believes that when the Doctor bi-generates in the giggle, that every single Doctor down the timeline bi-generated at the exact same time creating a doctor verse okay that is
2: one of the silliest things I've ever heard in my life <laughs> um, so is this did you watch this clip who am I who am I no okay so you've heard it here and for the first time what you just time. said then people do have an issue with this whole multiverse shit he's almost mm. sounds a bit out of touch because mm. that is the fucking whole reason mm. The whole Marvel Marvel
0: mm-hmm.
2: fucking cinematic universe is crumbling because it's just too much for people to, f- to fucking handle. Mm-hmm. All these shows and all all these timelines and all this crap, you know. It's like it works. It works in selective narratives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It works in Spider Verse, yes. But that's those are standalone films. They're not. F- they're not fifty fucking. This is fucking a huge of content,
1: Huge you know? thing to say <sighs> if he's actually worrisome. going to commit to putting this on the screen because we've already had the Tales of the TARDIS seventh Doctor say, and it's mentioned in the Envision Commentary clip, we've already had the Seventh Doctor say, Oh, I'm from a I'm from a timeline where I didn't regenerate. Right? It's sounding like this is he's canonizing this idea. And where does it come from? Well let's talk about what the clip says. He says in the clip that to to bring David Tennant back they jumped through all these hoops and in okay, the doctors regenerate back into an old face. And he said, Why why can't we in the future have stories where Sylvester McCoy or one of the old doctors steps out of the TARDIS at the age they are and there's no there's no questioning the age that they are? And he's saying that he believes, and whether or not again he actually brings this to the main show, not Tales of the TARDIS, he's saying that from now on, the second doctor that shows up in the two doctors is the bi-regenerated Trouton. that happened when the toy Toymaker split it down the line and that you, you saw uh, it happen backwards in the two doctors. I still don't,
2: underst- I still don't understand.
1: He's saying that this what, is explained. He, he's saying we've already had Capaldi show up in the show. We've already had this, Colin Baker. This explains their thing, which I don't fully understand because they play different characters. They weren't the doctor. Oh, but he's trying to say that you're splinters. just confusing
2: people now you're just mm. you're just convoluting things now and mm. i'm not happy i'm not happy with this mm. i'm very very worried big
1: revelations coming oh. here people like the idea that all these doctors before at the exact same moment that the, that this bioregeneration, they all by regenerated down the timeline are we now saying that that's why Salamander from the Second Doctor era enemy of the world was like it was he a split, but he's not a Doctor. That's confused. I don't understand. Are we saying why did why did when Tenant by regenerate? Why did he by regenerate into shooty Gatwa and not another Tenant? Um, this is very confusing. Oh, There's questions to be Lord, had. Lord, like. Lord. I'm, I'm now wondering what happens if they absolutely commit to this. Does this mean, I was pretty sure that we'd, we'd hit the reset button. Now I'm wondering, are there going to be stories in the future with Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, like stepping out of the TARDIS or something, like, and, and there's no, like he's, like he's inferred here, that he would like to happen without, without having to explain away why they are, are a different age? Is that something that's coming? I don't know. I just, I think for me personally, uh, I, my thoughts echo Josh's. Um, I feel like for me, and I and I don't think this is it, this is hard to, to explain why. I really don't. I, I think to say that the Chipnal era was diverse. If to say it was a little bit that it that it did things that were a little bit. Oh, what what are they doing with this? Uh, with The Timeless Child, whatever you think of it, it was a little bit confusing. All of a sudden, you got how many doctors, potentially thousands of doctors before Hartnell. I just don't like that idea, right? To to say we've had a very controversial era of the show, and that maybe what we just needed to do, I know Doctor Who accepts change. I know we love change, okay? And I know the show has thrived on change. But I think at some point, do we just have to get back Get the wheels back on track and just get Doctor Who back to being a, a show where story is first. We've got a time traveler in a box. To me, and we'll talk about it more in the 60th wrap-up, Wild Blue Yonder was far and away the best of the three specials, and it was the most standard of the three specials of Doctor Who. Is there something to be said about that? That it was just a great Doctor Who story, confined story? that didn't try and do anything with the toy maker or the the mythos of Doctor Who. Let's talk about this more in our wrap-up. Josh, when you've seen the 60th anniversary giggle finale, please, if we don't speak to you, give us your notes so I can speak about uh, your notes on the story yourself. And I'm sure that we'll be talking about this by regeneration and and what it means down the track. Um, But I think it's time to let Josh go get some well-needed shut-eye. Would you like to switch us over, mate? Switch us, switch us. Switching to laying down in my bed. Put us a plate on his bed. All right. Catch you later, Thunderbirds. Over and out.